sandiego.com. So my name's Sam. I actually just go to church here. I probably know a lot of you guys. We, we go, my wife and I go to the nine. Um, so I, I'm not Benji. I'm a slightly older, slightly better looking version of him. Uh, slightly less pastry. Just wor- working out this material for the nine so we see what we can work on for the 1030, see what works. Um, so this is a little out of my comfort zone, but uh, as Benji alluded to, Wednesday nights, um, but for about 15 years, God's been just working in this process in my heart through work, uh, through me kind of trying to figure out, like, hey, what's my calling? What's my purpose? Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys probably in this room have had that same experience, but for me, it's, like, been a really defining thing in my life. Like, uh, God has specifically constantly hammered this thing, and I felt like I was supposed to do some major thing with my life, and I, I've just never really known how to pinpoint that until probably the last five years. But it's been a 15-year process. So the culmination of all that is that uh, I came to Benji one day and I was like, hey, in like the last six months, I think I've had lunch or coffee with maybe 30 different people that have all come to me and asked me questions about their vocation and their calling and what they're supposed to be doing with it. And like the people that know me, I'm not that smart. It's pretty obvious. So I'm, I'm like, God, why is this thing happening? Like this has to be a Holy Spirit thing at this point. Like, uh, Specifically, like older guys who are super wise in these crazy jobs are coming and asking me questions about their vocation. This is crazy. Um, and I don't have any special answer for them other than that I know God's prepared my heart for the last 15 years on this long journey to have this conversation with them. So maybe we should be having it within the church. So I, uh, uh, my friend Brandon and I, who's, who's helped lead the class, he's awesome. Um, we approached Benji and we're like, hey, do you mind if we do this thing on Wednesday? And he's kind of just like, yep. Like, I guess that's the benefit of having a small church. You're just like, okay, well, that was the hierarchy. Um, we're having a class. So, like, when do you want to do it? Like, I don't know, two Wednesdays from now? So um, literally the hardest thing about the class is putting the flyer together. Um, and so we, we start this class, and uh, like, guys, it's just been amazing. Uh, it, first, it's, called, it's, a, it's a class on work and vocational calling. Essentially, like, God, what do you want to do in my work life how do we separate the work, the secular and the sacred, the sacred things, make them one thing? And how do we find this purpose and the calling and the thing that we're, that we're supposed to do? And um, so we kind of shared this premise for it, but it's, it's on a Wednesday night. We're talking about work at a church. Like, who's really going to come? A lot of people. So a lot of people have shown up, which has been amazing. So in that process, maybe like three weeks ago or so, Benji texts me and he's like, hey, do you mind sharing about this on uh, Sunday night? I was like, uh, you know, okay. It's probably, probably not my sweet spot, but I was like, you know, I'll do it. Um, it's, all the curriculum's worked out. We had, the, the sessions have been amazing. I've, I'm kind of excited to share about the testimony of some, some people and some of the stuff that's happened there. So then fast forward to this week, probably Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember what day it was. I wake up. I'm reading through Romans personally right now. So it's like super early in the morning, trying to read before my kids wake up and like wreck the house. And God just like fully just totally wrecks me on Romans 5, like Romans 5, 3. So 
read the verse. I don't know if you guys have had this experience, like where you read a verse like maybe a hundred times in your life. You read it so many times, but then there's just one time. It's like the Holy Spirit just one time has to get you on this one thing, and it's like everything's in a different light. And I don't know what it was, but I think it was in the, in the light of uh, just being stuck in this vocational idea that I just I read the whole thing differently. So then that day, I go over to Vince's house because we were going to catch up on something. And I was like, hey, man, um, thinking about sharing on, on Sunday night still, but like, I'm, just getting, I'm just getting worked over at Romans 5.3. And I start talking to him about it. And I'm like, in, in, the, in the context of my business and some of the suffering of my business, like, I'm really... Like, just this whole thing is, just, it's, it's a huge revelation to me right now. It's crazy. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, you should share on that. So I was like, okay. Um, and selfishly in my head, I'm like, well, I don't really write messages. I'm not a pastor. So, like, I think I just suckered myself into having to write a message because I already the curriculum for this other stuff. So, but okay. And then, because it, it was so tangible. Like, what God was saying to me, what the Holy Spirit was saying to me, it was like, it was, it was like eating me. Like, the whole day, that's all I could think about. And so I was like, cool, I'll share about sharing that. And then before I go, he's just like, do you want to do all three services? <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know. It's like a really like a total left field thing. So then I'm like, okay, guest speaker talking about suffering, like what can go wrong? <laughs> uh, and then and in my head I was like, okay, cool, God, like you're teaching me about work and suffering. I'm just gonna just I'm gonna knock out this thing called work and suffering and share it with everybody. And then, it, then I realized, like, that's the worst message title ever. Uh, literally, literally, people are like, I'm going to do, I'm going to get coffee and then just leave. It sounds like the most depressing thing. But I'll give you some context for this. So it's probably like, it's probably like 2015, uh, or no, it's 20, 2014, 2015, I can't remember. My wife and I are down in Mexico with this church, this amazing church that we love down in San Diego. They're planting another church in Tijuana. We're in this room, and I, I don't know if you've ever been in this context, but like in this room, just like in this night, God's just pouring out. Like the Holy Spirit's going crazy. And I think it was just this night where it was like, we're going to just give some testimony for the day of us physically planting this church and trying to bring these people into it. And this, the church is still there. It's awesome. Sound in the plies in, in TJ. And, but like the Holy Spirit just like takes over this room and it goes crazy. And I haven't experienced that very much in my life. So this is new. I kind of grew up in like a little bit of a straight lace church. So when all stuff's happening, I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm like, people are like prophesying over each other. Like my, one of my best friends is there with me, doesn't believe in healing, gets healed completely of this chronic pain that he's had in his entire life. He's never taken medication again from that night. Just crazy stuff's happening, and um, one of the coolest things that's happening is there's a lot of people in that room that night who are just receiving calling in their life, and there was just something I'm desperate for, and so I have this friend of mine who's like, I'm called to Thailand. I'm supposed to go to Thailand. God has been working on this my whole life. All these different circumstances have come up, like tonight's the night. I felt like he so tangibly told me through some other people I'm supposed to go to Thailand, and I'm like, yeah, man, cool, you know? And he literally, like, comes back to La Jolla, quits his job as an engineer where he makes tons of money and just moves to Thailand. Um, my other friend who plays in this band is like, man, I'm going to go, I'm going out to um, Mongolia. Uh, I'm going to play music in Mongolia for this thing. This other person I'm friends with is like, man, I'm supposed to teach at this inner city school guy's been calling me to. I haven't wanted to move to it, but, like, I'm on this mission. So I'm, like, caught up in the hype of this whole thing, which is, guys, to be honest, it's pretty awesome. But then there's, like, this really human selfish moment in the middle of it where I'm, like, oh, Monday morning I'm going to go home and sell pants. 
I'm at work. I have a men's work company. We sell denim and men's work goods. And I'm like, this guy's going to go play drums in Mongolia. And I'm going to go like measure some guys in seam on Monday. <laughs> and I'm like, so, we kind of laugh about it. But in the moment, I was so insecure. I was like, pants. And I felt like 15 years ago when God had been starting work in this, he's like, you're going to change the world. You're going to do all this stuff. Like I had this calling in my life. And in that moment, I'm like, I felt so insecure about all these people going and doing all this stuff. So I'm, I'm in the back. I'm kind of praying, um, trying to be happy for people that are getting like these amazing callings. And, um, and God just so gently speaks to me. And he's like, you're exactly where I want you. And so I kind of like, uh, I think I just made that up because I want to feel good about selling pants. And God's like, you're right where I want you. And it was so tangible. Like, just one of those times in your life where you hear it, and, and, it, and it's just like the, the peace that they told. It was, it was amazing. And then he gives me a mission. Then he's like, I want you to employ people gainfully. I want you to gain uh, influence and use it for good, not for yourself. And I want you to give, give away. Um, so I'm like, okay, uh, I want to make sure I heard that again. So then he tells me again, super tangibly. So then at that point, I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm like, one and two are pretty cool. Like, I don't know about three. Uh, I have a ton, not a ton of money in this small business, so I want to make sure that one's from you. Um, but get this, like, really clear sense of purpose, which is really cool. And so then the rest of the night, like, everybody's worshiping and praising, and, like, it just totally redeems everything for me. I'm like, just pants. God. Yes. Yes. Jeans. Denim, denim for the kingdom. And so I come, I come home, and... Uh, I'm so charged up for work. Like, I'm so fired up to just get back into it. I literally get my staff together who, like, we don't share the same life philosophy or faith story. And I'm like, guys, I had this, like, just kind of breakthrough on our business. Like, I, I just want you to know this is where my heart's at. You don't have to be on board with this, but I just want you guys all to know. Um, and I just, like, charge forward in that year in 2015. 2015 sucks. Uh, the next couple of years are pretty tough years. Um, and so... I am struggling through this thing with God where I'm staying faithful to the thing that he asked me to do, and I'm having like major ups and downs, and to be honest, most of the, most of the business climate for those couple of years for me were downs, like so many hardships with staff, with finance things, I'm running payroll and credit card, like just all this stuff to make things happen, and I get the sense of almost like entitlement in my heart, and I don't know if you've been there, but it was kind of like, God, you put the calling on my heart in this context and you charged me with this thing, and here I am doing it, and I'm not rich right now. Or whatever. I'm like, this thing hasn't blown up. Not that that was the goal, but it was like, hey, look, if I follow the game plan, you're like, where's your part, right? And it sounds trite. It's kind of embarrassing to say that, but uh, I struggled with bitterness with that, where I was like, God, you're not blowing up this thing, and I'm doing all the stuff that you asked. Like, I'm in the calling, right? Like, I'm the, I'm, am I in the trust tree right now, God? Like, I'm in the pocket. Aren't I supposed to be winning? And I, I couldn't get any breakthrough for that, so I'm, I'm, I'm working forward on that thing, trying to get sort of an answer to that. And God has done a ton of things in my life since that point, but I'm sharing the story, I think, on Wednesday night, the first Wednesday night, when I'm kind of sharing, like, what we call our work testimony, and then that next Monday, I'll fast forward to the next Monday, I read Romans 5. I don't know if that's on the screen, but um, Romans 1 through 4 are awesome. 
Like Paul's hammering like justification, righteousness, all this stuff. We're like, sick, I can get on board with that. I'm in, right? You're kind of getting hyped up on those verses. Then he hits five, um, and he starts talking about joy and suffering. And you're like, whoa, okay. It was cool up until that point. Um, I don't know if you guys have read verses like that. You like read Hebrews 11, and you're like, yes, champions of the faith. And then you're like, whoa, people are getting signed in half. That's not cool. Like, <laughs> generally speaking, in my life, God keeps reminding me that if something that I'm reading makes me feel uncomfortable, it's probably good for me. And things that make me feel comfortable never push me forward. And so Monday, this day that I go to, to chat with Benji, God's just kind of wrecking me with this. I'm, I'm going to read Romans 5 for you. Um, this is NIV. I don't know what's up there. Uh, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I've read that verse my whole life, never in the context of vocation, and in that moment, that Monday morning moment before I went to talk to Benji, God was like, very, very clearly saying, you want all the character, but you don't want any of the suffering. So you, in your, in your work, you feel like if you do all the stuff that I'm asking you to do, I'm just gonna give you breakthrough, but what if you're operating in your calling and all of the setbacks that I'm giving you are actually reinforcing your calling. Like if you really want me to if you really want to be operating in the calling that I have for you, maybe you need a lot of suffering because I'm building you up in that calling. That's exactly what you need. So I'm just having this like Tim and Eric mind blown moment and just struggling with that idea because I feel so convicted and I but also feel so freed. Like, hey, God's been, this whole time God's been trying to build character in me. Um, so that's when I go share that with Benji. So that's a really long-winded way, really super long-winded intro to say that this week, initially, I was going to talk about work and our relationship with work, which is what we're doing on this three-week course. And actually, this Wednesday is the last uh, course. If you want to come, it's at 7.30. That's a totally shameless plug. I've heard the course is awesome <laughs> from, from external sources. Uh, that's this week. Um, but then I felt like when God shared this thing about suffering, I was supposed to share on suffering. So I spent some of this week just really preparing some points on what God was teaching me, just really anecdotally about the suffering part. Then yesterday morning I woke up, and I'm praying, and I'm reading this, and God's like, that's not it. And I was like, uh, that kind of has to be it, because I like wrote three points on this. <laughs> I'm not, not really a pastor, but like I've been told that you just give people three points, they'll remember those. And then you're good. And I was like, God, you taught me so much this week on suffering. Like, it's so tangible. You've, you've so clearly told me what you want to say. Like, what are you talking about? And God was like, that's not it. That's not the point of what I'm trying to tell you. So I just want to pray right now because, to be honest, like, I, I'm going to riff for a little bit this morning. Um, plot twist, Benji, didn't know this was going to happen. So <laughs> if it doesn't work out, the good news is, like, you can come to the 1030 or the 5. Those could be better services. Um, but I'm just going to kind of go off the cuff a little bit on what happened y literally yesterday. Um, because I felt like that's where God wants to go. And I don't know. Like, I'm just going with where God wants to go. So 
Um, I'm going to touch on a couple of things from the original plan, but actually that wasn't the original plan. And furthermore, uh, I think God asked me to share vulnerably on just a story of my life, a developmental thing in that, and it's a little bit hard for me because it's just a, a vulnerable thing. So um, I'm just going to pray. Um, dear God, just, just be in this room. Holy Spirit, this is your place. Just be present. Just do whatever you need to do and speak whatever you need to speak and um, whatever truth that you want to use just like a normal guy like me to tell. Um, just do it right now. Amen. All right. So what God had really worked out this week in me, um, which I was going to sort of extrapolate on, it turns out he didn't really want me to, was uh, a couple points. Um, this week, he reinforced in me, number one, the suffering's real. I don't want to lightly talk about suffering in this room because people are dealing with, like, really heavy, real things. And I especially wanted to be sensitive when I talk about it in a work context, right? So God was doing all of this change in my heart in a work context where there was, there's serious pain in a small business level. Like, if you have a small business, you know that, like, three days out of the best, three days of the week, it's the best, and then four days out of the week, you just want to look for another job. So... There, there's pain there, but that's different kind of pain than, than physical suffering and emotional suffering. Like, holistically, suffering is a huge, a huge conversation, and, like, we're not going to... This guy is not going to dig out the theology of suffering for you guys. But God was reinforcing to me in prayer this year to share that it's real, and it's on the heart of God, and he, he feels it, and it's not his plan for you. But he can use it. Um, so I don't know who needs to hear that, but... Just so you know, God, our God understands suffering. Like, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Jesus wept, which is the story of Lazarus. So that's the story, like, when you were, like, a little kid in church. I don't know if you were, but they're like, you get a tootsie roll if you memorize a verse. You're like, Jesus wept, because it's the shortest one in the Bible. <laughs> um, but as an adult, I read that, and it's, like, one of the most comforting verses to me. Like, Jesus is going to visit Lazarus' tomb, and when he gets there and Lazarus' sisters are crying, he... Um, you know, kind of, he kind of meets them and speaks to them, and then Jesus cries right before he heals Lazarus. Why? He's going to heal Lazarus 20 minutes later. Why would he cry about it? He cries about it because he feels the pain of the real suffering, even though he's going to change it and redeem the whole thing. That's the God, that's the God I want to serve, and that's who God was telling me he is this week in the suffering part of it, because I'm, 2018 was a bad, week, bad year for my family. Like, we suffered at home, and I was suffering in some work stuff, and God was reminding me I see it, and it's not my plan, but I can use it. And the second thing that I felt like he wanted me to share originally was uh, that he kept putting on my heart in this verse was, Sam, there's no way for you to gain character and ultimately hope unless you suffer. Um, I'm part of, like, I'm between, like, Gen X, Millennial, and, like, right on, the, right on the border there. And so I'm just part of this world of, like, we just want everything instantaneously. And, like, that's me. I want it today. I, I want Amazon Prime. Uh, and so I think, um, I, think uh, I was struggling with the idea that God was going to give me setbacks in my work because he wanted to build character in me. And not that God was throwing the setbacks in. The setbacks are just a reality of the world. We live in a world that's broken and stuff, it doesn't work out. And if you're in this room and you a follower of Christ or you're not, you have an intuition in you that tells you things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. We share that. That's because they're not. But God can use that suffering 
to build in us a character. And for me, I've always wanted that character, but I just, I didn't want God to put me through suffering. In fact, I spent the majority of my life trying to avoid it. Or I've been angry at him when I'm facing it. Um, and he was reinforcing that for me, specifically in a vocational level. And the third thing, he was saying, because I can be glorified in your suffering, and because I can be glorified in the work suffering specifically that you're dealing with, there's a meaning in your suffering that the world doesn't understand. Um, when I've been talking to a couple of my other friends about this subject, um, who just, they're on different philosophical plane, planes than I am, and they just don't maybe believe the same things, I started to realize, just in light of just marinating on this verse this week, like, travesty and suffering that is real and terrible, for them, it broke my heart because it was just meaningless, suffering. Where for me, it doesn't, it's not a silver lining. We're not trying to make it like a feel-good story, like I'm not throwing Romans 8.28 or you're suffering, like that's the worst thing ever. Um, but there's a sense of meaning in that, which comes from this, the, the sake that God is transforming my heart. It's part of this heart transformation. God is transforming my heart and changing me into who he wants me to be. That's the end of Romans 8.28, uh, Romans 8.29. And in that, God is glorified, and there's meaning in that to me. So originally... That's where I felt like I was supposed to go with this whole thing, and God wanted to kind of work out in this conversation. And again, that's largely anecdotal. That's stuff God's just working on in my life right now. When I woke up yesterday morning, um, God, was, God was like, that's not actually it. Like, I want to build the character in you, and I'm, I'm putting you through setbacks. And for, for instance, 2018, he's like, that entire year of pain and suffering, and it largely has to do with my, my wife, has suffered a ton this last year. I'm, I want to build the character in you, but you need to reread this again. So I go back and reread it again yesterday morning. Um, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Every time I read this verse, I stop at character because that's ultimately what I want, something I can get. And God was telling me yesterday morning, the entire verse, the entire thing that I'm trying to do in you specifically in this thing and for your class on Wednesday night, it's, it's a hope story. It's not a character story. Um, and God really tangibly said, like, I don't care about your character if your hope's in the right, not in the right place. You can have all the character in the world, but if your hope's not in something that's living and something that is infallible, then who cares how much character you have? And I was like, whoa, okay, that's a different message. Um, then, which crazier, which I guess I'll get into now, is then he brings on this story in my life, and he's like, I want you to share the story. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think so, God. Like, that's a, that's a little bit of a personal one. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redeem this one for you. Uh, and I was like, okay. So I literally went on a walk last night and just really struggled with this thing because it, it, it's pretty emotional for me. And, and, but God was like, no, some people are going to get freed because of this story, and they're going to get hope. And so I was like, okay. You know, like at this point, we're like at this point with whatever this is, we're like, Jesus got the wheel. You know, like what, what's happening right now? Uh, and even just the way that yesterday morning he so clearly was like, you're missing the point. You're, you're going to build this whole kind of message, which was supposed to start with work and then was going to turn into character. But ultimately, like, the, the story is, is a tangible living hope that's bigger than things that can be taken away. So different from where I was going to go. 
but so convicting because my heart was way off on a lot of it. So the beginning of my work story that led me on this whole journey to where we are now to do these Wednesday night things started with a search for meaning in probably, this is probably 2003, 2004. I'm living in Waco, Texas. I'm going to school. Um, at, the, at this point in time, just, just really lost, just really floundering. I'm a bartender, um, just trying to make my like 200 bucks a month to pay my rent, which was my real rent in Waco at that time. I remember my, I remember my landlord was like, it's $200 for your room. And I was like, you slumlord. <laughs> How can anyone possibly pay that? Um, <laughs> I moved, I moved to California later. Uh, so obvious, obviously this is a super lucrative bartending job. Uh, so I'm, I'm just working there. I just got back from Australia. I'd been in Australia for five or six months um, for school there and just like fell off the deep end. Like I'm just, I'm so just like floundering around lost. So I know I just, it, it was just a really hard time in my life, like a really dark time. So I'm in the city, I'm at a party and I start talking to this guy, and he's just really magnetic. Like, this personality is super cool, and we just start connecting at this party. Like, I'm, a, you know, I'm feeling pretty buzzed and good at this point. And then at some point in the conversation, he's like, I'm a pastor. Like, worst conversation ever at a party. <laughs> so, like, immediately taking inventory of, oh, like, I'm holding two drinks right now. Uh, you know, I'm like 22 years old, just really self-conscious at this point. And, but it, it felt really non-judgmental, and it was not the conversation I wanted to have at that point in my life. And we start talking, and he just really encourages me in some things. And it was like, you know what? Do you want to come to my church? And I thought about it that night, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to. So I ended up, I ended up going and visiting his church. Um, it was a small church called UBC. We met in an old, uh, met in an old supermarket. Uh, not an aesthetic winner uh, in terms of the inside of the church. This is a much more beautiful place. Um, but it was just like the first time I went, I remember being really nervous to go. I hadn't been to church in a long time. And I just was like, but he, just this experience with this, this one guy at this party was like, I, I got to go. And I get inside, and I just have like the most amazing first morning. I mean, at that point in time, uh, we're in this old, there's maybe 200 people in this old uh, converted, actually not even converted shopping center. It was rough. Pat knows, Pat went there. Uh, the, the, the music, not that it matters, but the band was amazing. I, I had never seen like a band like we have here. There was a band called David Crowder Band that played there. That, they were tiny at that point. Uh, not big yet, but that was our house band. And um, there's a bunch of people just that were all, from all over the city, all walks of life went here and a lot of students. I remember actually thinking, how do you guys make money? Because like no one here ties. Just looking around the room, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I definitely didn't, right? And even if I did, uh, um, I had a two hundred dollar rent, so <laughs> that's gonna can't be giving up that God. Um, so, but it just like the whole experience shook me so hard. I mean, it was such an amazing experience, and it, just such a magnetic thing for me to be in there. And it was the beginning of a heart transformation. Like a, it was the beginning of something where God was changing me. So. I just started to dive all in, and a lot of it was under the mentorship of Kyle. This guy, Kyle, who's the pastor, like, I just, he had such a clear leadership calling on his life that for me, what was starving was I just needed purpose. I just wanted purpose and vision, and, and I, had no, I had no purpose. That's why I was floundering around. And so I just, I went all in on it. Um, I ended up quitting my job at the bar. Uh, so I didn't really have a source of income at that point, but I was like, I just felt like a couple months in, like, I just... God either wants my heart and he wants to be doing something with me, and if he does, I can't be, like, 
taking shots at 2.30 a.m. and driving home, like that's not what he wants for me. So I quit that, started working at this urban nonprofit, changed my life. This is on the, this is on the north side of Waco, so really rough over there, tons of gangs, um, prostitution, drugs, like, this is 2004 Waco, so this is not like HGTV Waco, like everything's not like shiplapped out. Um, <laughs> People are getting, like, it's, it was crazy, like, um, stabbings and shootings. And so I go over, start working at this nonprofit, and it's like, just God is just doing this work in my heart in this place. So much purpose. I'm working with 16 to 18-year-old kids, all on government subsidies programs. Like, um, I'm, just this, I'm just this, like, little 22-year-old white kid from Minnesota working on this other side of town. Nobody looks like me. Nobody talks like me. And God is just pouring out himself and teaching me all this stuff. And, and it was, like... This person versus the person three months ago before I met Kyle, totally different people. Um, so I graduate that year. I get hired full-time at the nonprofit because there's something I loved. I loved working with those kids. And so I worked there, and I'm just, I have so much purpose. And I'm working at the church. I'm doing a ton of stuff at the church. And uh, at some point in there, I'm talking to Kyle, and I'm like, man, I feel like God's going to do something big with my life. And he had just seen such a transformation in me that he was like, hey, have you considered going to seminary? And I was like, no. I have not considered doing that. Uh, I was a poli-sci major, thought I was going to go to, potentially go to law school. Definitely wasn't smart enough to do that, but I thought that was the thing I could do. Um, and, or maybe some, maybe some business stuff, I didn't really know. But then I started to think and pray about it, and I was so inspired and moved by Kyle, like in his leadership in my life, that I was like, maybe I should do it. Not to be a pastor, but maybe I'll be a counselor, or maybe I'll start this like, huge nonprofit that changes the world, or maybe I'll do this thing. I, just, I was so desperate for calling, and I just so wanted to be influential like him. And, and I was in this like... If you've been in that momentum feeling where God's doing something, it's, it's just a cool, it's a cool thing to, to build on. And so here I am. I remember quitting my job, which I loved, because at that point I'm like, this isn't, this isn't a big enough thing. God, do you want to do something bigger with my life? Flying back to Minneapolis. I remember taking my dad out to lunch. My dad's awesome. And I'm like, I'm going to go to seminary. He's like, what? And he's, he's like supported me in everything and been, been amazing. But it, just, it was such a shocker to my parents. And I was like, you know, I explained all the stuff that happened. They'd seen changes in my life, so they were super into the idea after I kind of, you know, got the ball rolling. I think, I think at first they were like, you just want to be like one of those in-school-forever people? And I was like, no, I don't, but I want God to do something with my life. It costs us, I should do this, so I'm going to do it. So I get into it, and I kind of start to realize a little bit into it, there's some setbacks. It's just not who I am. Like, I'm in these rooms, and I'm like, man, I, I don't know, like, I'm struggling, and part of it is just I'm unplugged from the energy source that was driving everything for me. So I kind of suffer through a, a semester, and towards the end of that semester, I'm like, I just got to get the batteries charged. This is like, this is a bad thing. Um, I lived with a couple friends who were just not in a good place in their life at that point. I was just, I was feeling myself kind of slipping a little bit. I was like, man, I just need to recharge the batteries. So I fly back to Waco, uh, get back in town, visit some friends who are doing like a fifth year victory lap at school, staying with them. We all, we all have those friends. Um, so, see, and then I, I ended up going to this coffee shop uh, that day, uh, the first day that I'm there, and I run into Kyle, who is the pastor. So, hug each other, it was awesome. I'm like, man, it's just so good to catch up with you. He's like, bro, can you come tomorrow to church? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, we're gonna do some things tomorrow at church, like, I need you to be there. Um, and I, I was like, man, I wanna fill you in, and like, what's going on with me at seminary. Like, I'm really struggling, it's hard. And he's like, I wanna hear, let's catch up, let's recharge you. I was like, cool. So I go home that night, uh, go to church in the morning. I bring a couple friends who've never been. There's probably about, the church has grown. Uh, I think largely in part, because like the Crowder thing's 
starting to blow up, so like now everybody wants to go to church, which is awesome. So I get in there, and it's like really cool to see that there's like three or 400 people in there. It's really full. It's like palpable excitement in the air. Everybody's fired up on this thing, on this day. And uh, I got some friends who haven't been, so I'm like, I don't know, I think I'm doing a good thing, right? Brought some friends, patting myself on the back. Uh, then we get up front. He has, uh, you know, like this big tub up there. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So he's like, you know what? God's making some really big breakthroughs in people's lives in this church right now. And we just want to celebrate that with some baptisms. So I'm like, cool, you know? Uh, and never seen the church do baptisms before, so I was like, this is, this is a cool thing. So Kyle gets up there, um, gets into, into the water, sharing about the whole thing. And then in a moment, some piece of equipment falls in the water. And <laughs> he starts crying out. And he uh, gets electrocuted and dies in front of all of us in the room. So the whole thing is mic'd up. Um, it was like a horrible thing to watch. His wife, who's my friend, is in the front row. Um, and the whole room goes black, and we all sit there for about two or three hours in the dark. After they pull him out of the water, and the ambulance drives off. I just sit there. Now, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I'm, like, weeping and crying, but I just, I don't know. Like, it's this weird, it's just this weird, not real moment. Um, so eventually, everybody files out and goes home. And we get, we get word back that he's officially dead. He dies in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And um, so I spend that day just, like, broken. Just broken. Like, I've never been broken like that in my life. And um, so I call my work uh, back at home, and <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can come back. And they, they said, just do whatever you got to do. You know, at this point, it's like, at this point, it's national news. Like, it's all over the place. Like, pastor dies in front of congregation. And Kyle had just released a book that was nationally public, so he, or published, so he had a good following. And, and so it was kind of like people knew, but nobody knew I was there, and they didn't know the relationship. And so... Um, I took a couple days. I ended up flying back, and just the wheels are off. The wheels just fell off for me. Um, I actually remember going to like a, going to the office at the seminary to go meet with them, and they were like really gracious with me. But they're like, "You got to go home because you're hungover," because <laughs> I looked that terrible, and I had just been drinking the whole night. So they sent me home, and I just went into this like really dark place for a long time, which is part of the reason. I eventually ended up dropping out, and I moved to California 13 years ago. I ended up moving out here um, just to reset on life. And ended up getting into some business stuff and um, moving forward. So I've not told very many people in my life that story because it's just a weird one. And to be honest, I blacked out most of it and hadn't thought of it for most of my life since then. Um, but this week... And studying this and reading this, yesterday, I was reading the end of Romans about suffering, and God brought that whole thing full circle. And he was like, I want you to share that. I was like, that's not in the game plan. He's like, no, uh, because this is, what I'm, this is what I'm doing in your heart. And when, he sh when God was showing me the end, which is perseverance is, goes, uh, turns into character, and character turns into hope, God yesterday told me, um, you were so broken and you were so shattered 
that day because your calling and your purpose and all your dreams died on that stage with Kyle. Because that was your hope. Your entire hope was in a person and your entire hope was in your own charisma and that you were gonna start this big thing and save the world. And I never had your heart. I never, you had no theology deeper than that you thought you could be charismatic and build this thing. You had no, um, you know, meaning or purpose deeper than that you wanted to impress this guy that was your mentor that you loved and that you wanted to build something off of him. But like, I never fully had your heart. I never was in, I was, I was never in the throne. And until you could get to a place over years where I grew you, where your ultimate hope was something that can't be died into and can't be, can't be taken away, you can't ever cope with suffering. And so yesterday, I like went on a walk last night, um, super non-emotional, super stoic guy. My wife's never seen me cry as long as we've been together. And I, was, I got kind of a little bit emotional last night because God was full circle from some, Romans, almost Romans 8.28 style, like full circle from something 15 years ago in my life was redeeming it in that moment last night. Um, and he was redeeming it in a way that he was saying, can I have your full heart now? And can you believe and hope in something that's so much bigger than your wife, your kids, your career, your parents, any of these things, because those things are gonna die and go, I don't wanna be morbid, but like, I look at my wedding picture, we looked way better 10 years ago. <laughs> We're slowly dying. <laughs> my kids, like, that can't be where I put my hope in. My career, like, that might go away tomorrow. All of these things that, to be honest, like, I've followed, I've followed Jesus and I've given my heart to him, but I don't know if I've fully made my hope something that is that that is that living and that big, that nothing can happen in my life that can take that away. And he was reminding me full circle through the story, which I've, one, never relived to that extent, and two, never understood the depth of why it hurt so much, because it hurt, it hurt so much because I had, a, I had a different idol and a different hope, and it wasn't God. And he was trying to redeem and restore that story in my life. And so... Way different story than talking about work, vocation, and our calling, which was the original piece of what we wanted to share, but also part of the whole vocational story for me, because that was the origin of me seeking purpose all the way up until I am right now, to the full fruition of doing, you know, just helping people maybe understand and discuss that on Wednesday night. And God wanted to full circle redeem that story, and, and, um, but really, he was less interested in me being really excited about <laughs> gaining character in some of the suffering. And he was reminding me that all of 2018 and all of those business setbacks and all of the stuff that I was struggling with and hoping that I was getting character out of, he's just like, the character doesn't matter unless you hope in me fully. And your character is only as good as the hope that you have that it's based in. And so... That full circle, guys, we're like within a 24 hours of that full circle thing happening in my life. Like, this happened yesterday. So I'm like walking around Village Park like, don't cry. Like, just, <laughs> like, I'm 36 and God's like changing things in my heart and my life. Um, and maybe it's just because he wanted me to share something today, but I don't know. But I'm just going off the cuff on that because I felt like God wanted me to share that whole thing. And, and furthermore, um, 
a couple things. I, I think just as a church, if we can pray with anybody here today, like if you're in deep suffering, I don't want to overlook the suffering part. Like if you're suffering and you're hurting right now and something's happening in your life and you want to get prayer for it, can we pray for you today? We'll have some people come up at the end and we just want to pray for you because God wants to meet you in that. And look, I was talking with my friend Wesley yesterday who's just dealt with this in a major way. And he's like, look, sometimes we just have to come to grips with the fact that we're just not going to know, but we're going to keep praying. And so we want to pray and recognize that if, if, you, if you need that afterwards. And then for some of us who are like me, who it's like, <laughs> I'm 36 and God's working on my heart. And like when I'm 56, he's going to be working on my heart. When I'm 70, I don't know if I'm going to be alive, but when I'm 76 and he's working. Like I want, I want to be going through the same process, but like, Right now, he's just trying to, he's just still, he's still trying to have my heart. And what's, what's ironic, I know we're kind of going long, what's the most ironic, what I was laughing about last night was, before he died, Kyle, I remember talking to Kyle, and he used to be like, I used to tell him, man, what's my will, what's, what's God's will for my life? Like, what's God's will for my life? And he used to say, chill out, bro. Like, does God have your heart? And I was like, no, 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 what's his will? And for me, it was like a choose your own adventure. It's like, yeah, but if I marry this girl and I move to Dallas, like, it, you know, you're like on page 56. She's like, oh, you fell in the snake pit and you got dysentery. I'm going to like go back and read number 23. Like, it was this choose your own event. Like, you chose God's will right or you chose it wrong. And if you chose it wrong, you blew it. And Kyle used to say, he used to always, he used to use this metaphor for me. He'd say, imagine your, your dad, you're the son coming to your dad and you're like, hey, I've worked really hard. You've worked so hard to, to give me all these things that I want in my life. I'm going to go to college. What should I major? And the dad says, look, I don't, I don't care what you major in. I'm just honored that your heart's there and that you're accepting this thing. And like, I want you to flourish. And you say, thanks so much, dad. But like, seriously, what should I major in? And he's like, I, you know what? If you like sociology, cool. If you like nursing, cool. Like whatever your thing is, like do it. And you're like, no, I need to know what to major in. And your dad says, I just want to be honored with your heart. I want your heart, but what you go, where you go from here, you can do a lot of different things. But I don't need to direct that specific thing for you every single time. And he's like, that, he's like Sam, that's, that's God. That's God's will for you. He just wants your heart in that place. The irony is, like, my heart never got in that place. At 36, my heart's in that place. But at that time when he's telling me, I didn't understand what he was telling me. So if that's you, and you just want to have an unfailing hope, if you're hoping, and again, I don't want to be trite, and I don't want to be rude, but if you're hoping in anything other than God this morning, it's a miss. You're going to lose on that one. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that can hold up through everything. And so if, if you don't have that hope this morning, um, and you just want to pray for a realignment there, um, we want to pray with you, too, when we're all done. Um, so uh, let's pray together. Thanks for like bearing with my just fully just rattling off that whole thing. That was just like stream of consciousness, whatever guy. Um, so let's pray together. And then if you want to come up and just have somebody pray with you, like let's not be self-conscious about that. Let's just do it. Like we're, we're already in the trust tree today. We're already here. So um, God, thank you and praise you for who you are. Thank you that there's something bigger than suffering. Thank you that we, we feel suffering and we know that it's painful and we know that it's awful and we know it's not your plan, but we know you're gonna redeem it in so many ways. Um, we know you work all things together for, for the good of those who love you, even though we might not understand or see that or ever comprehend that in our lifetime. 
that some way you're going to redeem those things, God. Thank you that through suffering, you build character in us. And the only way we can get that character is through experiencing the suffering, God. And, and thank you beyond that, that um, through suffering comes hope and the gift of your Holy Spirit. And that you're the only thing worth hoping for. You're the only thing that gives our calling any meaning. Um, and so meet us today there in... Um, God, today, if there's hurting and pain in this room, I just pray that you can just meet that. I know you can, but just soften the hearts of anyone that needs that, needs that prayer, needs that, needs that hope this morning in your name.